All right, welcome to live stream, everyone. Uh, so we're gonna spend the next uh, some around an hour um, just going through any questions that you have. So if you have any home buying questions, feel free to leave those in uh, the chat. And here in about uh, 30 minutes, um, Matt, the mortgage guy, is going to join us. And for some reason, it says zero as a countdown timer. Not sure why that's happening. There we go. Uh, in about 30 minutes, Matt, the mortgage guy is going to join us for a Q&A as well. Um, so in the meantime, I'm just going to run through some questions that you all have. Feel free to ask those in the chat. Um, and let me see here. Hassan, Chansey, Ravi, Patrick, Kay Lauer, Lore, Jennifer, good to see you. Um, Kavya, um, Monet, let's see, who else do we have in here? Carson, welcome. Um, Chris, I use a Neumann TLM 102, um, and I'm a big fan of it. Uh, Jennifer, no worries if you have to if you have to head out here. Um, Carson, thank you for being here. Uh, what's the first step in finding a realtor, a lender, asking from a buyer's perspective? I think the first best thing to do would be to uh, talk with a loan officer or a lender um, to be able to find out if you can get a loan first and then you want to then you can start shopping for a mortgage after that um, so the way that you can do that is you can ask friends you can look online um, i also have a referral program for lenders you can go to winthehouselove.com referral there's also a link in the description if you are looking for a helpful lender who can walk you through the process so um, normally what I would do is talk with a couple lenders to look at what options you have, get pre-approved, and then you can start talking to a realtor. And with a realtor, you can do a very similar uh, thing where you can talk to friends, look online. Um, what I would wanna do is when you're talking with realtors and lenders is you're wanting to have conversations with people and see if they have the heart of a teacher. Are they somebody who's gonna be help you understand the process? Are they gonna explain things to you? Or are they feel pushy, dismissive, and salesy. Um, and if that's the case, normally we want to move on to somebody else. Um, Caballero, just received a notification. <laughs> you know what's weird? Is like, even if I have notifications turned on, I feel like uh, the like sometimes I don't even get them. Like I don't even, that's so confusing. I think at this point, YouTube just makes up its mind on like who, who they think wants to actually see something. Um, Welcome, do do whiz do whiz me do whiz me. I don't know how to say that. Uh, Chancy, would FHA or home ready loan, which is conventional, be better with a low seven hundred score? Um, with higher credit scores, conventional is almost always better than FHA. The only instance where you may need to use an FHA might be if your debt to income is too high. But really, if you can qualify for a conventional, it's almost always a better option than going uh, with FHA. Other than maybe if you're looking at something like a two to four unit home where you're living in one unit and renting out the others, you can use FHA to do three and a half percent down. Whereas on conventional, um, you would need 15 to 25% down. And so that's really the only instance that I can think of where you'd want to choose FHA over conventional is for that lower down payment on the, uh, the multifamily. Um, do I have the play button? Uh, I sent in the request, but I don't know how long that takes to come back. <laughs> it seems like it may take a little bit of time um, before they actually send a play button in. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how the timing of that all works. Music definitely sounds like my study Spotify playlist. <laughs> yes, I use the, um, there's a company called Chill Hop, and they do... 
it's all like copyright free, which is nice because that's kind of the only thing you can play on YouTube without them kind of dinging you with a copyright strike or I don't even know how all that works. Um, do, do, do. Uh, let's see, thank you for having this session. For first time home buyer, do you recommend any specific sites to check real estate agents? Um, yes, one that would be really good is if you go to Javier Vidania's YouTube page, he does have a real estate agent referral program that is fantastic and I think it help you out um, a lot in getting that process started. Casey, you asked, will you and Javier add any info for state-specific assistance or first-time homebuyer incentives? I'm in California. My wife and I need all the help we can get out there or out here. I'm sorry. Um, at the moment, we don't have a plan for that. It's really difficult to stay on top of all of the things that are happening in every single state. Um, so usually what I would recommend doing is really just a Google search. So I would look at your local housing authority so you can search like, you know, Ohio Housing Authority and then find whatever uh, government body oversees housing in your state. Um, sometimes you can also find local county housing authorities, and that's gonna be a really good place for you to look at those types of incentive programs. But trying to have a one database that oversees everything um, is just not uh, enough. It's not a super practical idea <laughs> for us to do because um, it just takes so much work to stay on top of what's happening in every single state, making sure info is up to date and everything like that when people can really just go directly to the source for that. Um, I'm in the process of buying a second home out of state and sell my current home at the end of the year. Uh, is that a question? Okay, wait. What do I need to qualify for a second home out of state if my wife and I have high student loans? Um, so the process of qualifying is going to be the same as any other loan. You just need to make sure you now have an extra mortgage payment included inside your debt to income ratio. But with high student loans, that's when uh, that can start to become a concern. It depends on what you're actually what your monthly payment is on your student loans. Um, so if you're on an income-driven repayment, it's possible that your payment is low enough that everything fits in your debt-to-income ratio and you should be fine. Um, what If you if that doesn't work, um, what I would do is I would do, uh, if you go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash student, um, let's see here. There we go. Okay, so um, I... I almost spelled T all over the place. I partner with a company called LoanSense. And what they do is uh, they have this calculator that I put in here on my website. Allows you to put in your income, how much your student loan balance is, um, and a couple other details. And it will show you what your affordability can change if you uh, file your, uh, file's not the correct word, if you change the program of your student loans in a different way. Um, and so for this scenario here, let me see if it's a little bit easier to see if I make this bigger. That's a little bit easier. Um, in this situation, this person would be paying $550 a month in student loans, but they could file into a program where they'd only have to pay $250. That gives you an additional $50,000 in affordability as you're looking to get approved for a loan. And so they're really great at walking you through a strategy of how you can get approved for a larger home if you need to by lowering your student loans. And I know that uh, quite a few people on this channel who have used LoanSense also are able to see loan forgiveness too. So they don't do loan uh, student loan refinancing. They just change the program um, for student loans that you're in. And so, this could be a really good option for you if you're running into that debt to income ratio issue. But 
a lot of people have concerns about student loans and it's they often don't realize that their student loans actually aren't an issue. So make sure that you talk with a loan officer first and see if it's even a problem to begin with. If it's a problem, then we can work on the solution, but I wouldn't be too concerned about the solution until we know it's actually a problem uh, to begin with. Um, Kyle's my favorite Seagraves brother. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, Patrick, uh, you asked as a disabled vet on a VA loan, does putting more on the down payment lower the interest rate or is it relatively the same because VA is backing the loan? Um, you may find the increased down payment could change the interest rate. It's not always just a one for one kind of thing. Um, so what I would do is just ask your loan officer, hey, could you show me a couple different scenarios with VA loans? Um, Maybe one at 0% down, one at 5% down, one at 10% down, and see what that changes uh, with the interest rate. Um, <laughs> Ravi said, housing market in North Texas is crazy. Um, how's everyone else doing in their house hunt? Um, yeah, feel free to chime in with how you all are doing in the housing shopping world because it is frustrating right now. Uh, can closing costs be rolled into the loan on a rehab loan like a 203k, FHA, or home ready? Um, home ready is not a rehab loan. Uh, you might be thinking of home style. Um, 203k, 203k for FHA. Uh, yes, I do believe you can roll the closing costs into the loan. Let me double check that. Um, 203ks are just this beast of complexity. Roll closing costs. And now that I'm thinking about it, um, let's see. Do, 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 do. I may have to do some more digging on this. I wanted to say yeah, but I may be wrong on this. I'm going to change my answer on the 2 or 3K. I don't think you can actually roll the closing costs in there. And uh, Matt said uh, Cal HFA is the most common DPA program in California. Um, do, 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 do. And Matt, do you know, can you roll closing costs into a 2 or 3K? I don't know why I'm confused on that one. Um, Raymond, I'm renting my home that's set up to end in October 2024. Um, I'm renting a home that's set up to end. So your lease is ending in 2024, it sounds like. Is that right? That's a long lease, at which time I'll have to buy. Um, my problem is the appreciation percentage appears to be higher than it should be. Um, well, appreciation never really has a should. Appreciation is just what the market dictates. Um, and so like it's, there is really no way to say what appreciation should be because it's just who is willing to pay for what and at what, uh, how much does that increase things nationally? Let me turn on this light real quick.
Vincent, hello from Beeville, Texas. Uh, how do you know how much closing costs will be and will I have to worry about transfer fees? Um, okay, so how will you know how much closing costs will be? Unfortunately, this is a difficult answer to nail down exactly. You can get estimates, but really this is gonna change depending on where you're at, your personal situation, which lender you work with. Um, and so it can be frustrating to nail this down. Some people will use 2% of the purchase price as an extremely rough estimate. Um, it might put you in a very general bar ballpark, but isn't going to encompass every single thing, especially considering things like, are you getting credits for taxes, like tax probation? Are you getting credits from the seller? Are you getting credits from the lender? So really the best way to do this is to talk with the loan officer to get pre-approved. And then after you do that, they should be giving you a quote with a breakdown of estimates of all of the third-party fees. So they should be showing you not only their fees, um, which for most lenders tends to hover around the $1,000-ish mark, um, then they need to quote all the other fees that you're gonna run into. So things like a home appraisal, a title report, um, you're going to have recording fees, taxes, insurance. Uh, and then as far as transfer taxes, this is going to depend on the state that you're in. So for instance, in Ohio, the buyer doesn't pay any transfer taxes. However, in different areas, and you can do a Google search on this, do I have to pay property transfer taxes in blank state? And you should be able to find the answer pretty quickly. <laughs> Monet, you said my mom says you, or my son said you look like Joe from the series, Netflix series, Yo. I'll take it as a compliment, but um, I don't think I'm a stalker killer. Not that I would say I was. Okay, what are some house hacking strategies? Like is there a difference, different process for multifamily home, finance and single family homes? Um, mo what most people refer to when they talk about house hacking usually is when they're looking at a multifamily home. So maybe a two to four unit home, they live in one unit and rent out the others. Usually people who do this will then uh, stay in there for a year and then they'll move out. They don't have to refinance as long as they've been in there for a year and then they can go buy another home Usually it's a difficult to buy another duplex, but you can buy another home often. Um, and uh, wow, I blanked. <laughs> I'm also very tired today. So I'm going to try to like keep it all together. Um, so that's usually what people do for house hacking. There are millions of different investment strategies. That is one of the most common when people talk about uh, house hacking. How much earnest money do you put or do you recommend on putting down before you make an offer? This is all going to depend on your area. So I would talk with your local real estate agent. Um, hey, what, what is common? What do you see people put down as earnest money on offers that get accepted? That's what you really want to know is like on the offers that get accepted, how much do they put down? Um, in some markets, it's a percentage of the purchase price. For instance, one to 3%. Um, in markets around here, people use typically dollar amounts. And so often what's common around here, honestly, uh, even if when things are competitive, there's still a lot of people who don't put earnest money down in my local market. Um, or if they do, it's like one to five grand, um, which is very low compared to a lot of other markets. So it really is gonna depend on exactly where you're at. Um, there's a lot of realtors here 
you know, since earnest money is not a huge thing around here that they suggest their clients, like it's just easier to not have earnest money because most offers get accepted without earnest money here. And um, it just adds to a layer of complexity if things go wrong. So it's really gonna depend on your specific uh, location. Uh, Miguel, to find my own lender, what do I need from the new construction company outside the outside lenders will need? Some uh, yeah, so what they'll need is they'll, they'll need the contract um, that you signed with a construction company to be able to begin that loan. Now, if you're just getting quotes, because you said to, to just to find my own lender, you don't actually need that agreement sent to the loan company. You can just tell them, hey, this is what I'm buying the home for. This is what I've already put as a deposit. And then help then they can help you understand what kind of loan you're looking for and then when you're ready to move forward with one of those lenders that is then when they'll need something like the contract that you signed with the new construction company to be able to move forward with that <laughs> we found the killer it was kyle in the tea shop with a guitar <laughs> it's like a new game of uh, youtube real estate clue Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, can you explain the difference between a conventional loan versus a jumbo loan? So conventional loans, um, most conventional loans in the U.S. are through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which you may have heard tossed around. Um, they basically make the rules for most conventional loans. And one of the rules that they create is the loan limit as well. How much of a maximum loan limit are they willing to give out per uh purchase per transaction. Okay. And so when someone wants to buy a home above that is when you need a jumbo loan because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are like, we don't really want to lend anything above that amount. And so if you're curious where that amount is, um, you can do the Fannie Mae uh, loan limit lookup. Where's it? No, I want the map. Here it is. Mm -mm. No, where's the map? <laughs> Where is it? Map. There we go. Okay, so FHFA is the body that oversees Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they make the rules for most conventional loans. Not all, but most. Um, in here is where you can take a look at what is the loan limit. So for mostly US, you're gonna be running into 647,200. So we, you know, we can do the, the reverse of that. So if I, let me bring this over here. So 647,200. If you're looking at the minimum down on a conventional loan for first time home buyers, it's 3%. Uh, oops, divided by 0.97 would give you a maximum purchase price of $667,000 for that maximum loan limit. Um, there are also what are higher cost areas. These require 5% down. And so for instance, like uh, in LA, the loan limit actually goes up to 970, but for most of the US it's around here. So if you want above that, you get into a jumbo loan. With a jumbo loan, um, it's kind of, the rules uh, are less standard, right? With conventional loans, we can talk about the rules and they kind of work throughout most of the US. 
and for most lending companies. But when we talk about jumbo loans, it gets a little bit more complicated because jumbo lenders um, kind of get to make up their own rules a little bit because there isn't one group of people like right Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac do make the rules for most conventional loans. But with jumbo loans, it isn't like there's one group or a couple groups of people who make most of the rules. So the rules can kind of just be whatever. So uh, maybe not necessarily whatever, but they can vary a lot a lot uh, more wildly. And so when, when Matt comes on, he can explain more about jumbo loans and some of the details. But with jumbo loans, you're gonna run into a higher credit score uh, requirement. Usually you need a much lower debt to income ratio. Um, and it can also be a lot more strict for self-employed buyers. But I'll let Matt cover some of the details of, uh, of Jumbo a little bit more when he hops on. Um, mm, mm, let's see. Five years consistent over time. How is extra income calculated in underwriting? A really good rule of thumb is past two years average of overtime income. Uh, can I still use my student loan IBR payment for a conventional loan, even though they are paused right now? Uh, not 1%. Um, let's see, not 1%. So if you have the IBR payment and they are currently paused, uh, if it's if the if it's documented that it's paused right now, which uh, sounds like it is, you could use Freddie Mac, which would be 0.5%. Um, but if you're not currently paying on the IBR payment, to, from my understanding, uh, you would have to use the 0.5% through Freddie Mac or the 1% uh, through Fannie Mae. Tony, good to see you, man. I was just thinking the other day, I was like, man, I need to have you on a live. We haven't been on a live in a long time. Um, but yeah, if you're in the office next Friday, let's definitely do lunch. I'm, I'm down. Um, where can I shop for mortgage for mortgage online to compare? Um, there are quite a few mortgage comparison websites that I really can't vouch for because I just haven't used them and you know, don't know much about uh, some of the lenders that they use. Um, really what I would do is try to talk with quite a few different lenders, get a feel for what I think is a really good judgment is do they have the heart of a teacher? Are they willing to help explain the process to you? Um, or are they just gonna try to feel like pushy and salesy? Um, and so that can usually give you a really good indicator. And then from there is when we can start looking at, okay, from these lenders, which one um, is going to give us the lowest rate or cost or the best strategy for you long-term. Um, and so I don't necessarily have one specific place that you can go to compare uh, online lenders. Um, if you are looking for a lender to talk to, you can go to uh, winthehouseyoulove.com slash referral. Um, I have connected with a, a referral network of really helpful loan officers that can help guide you through the process if you are looking for somebody to talk to. Um, How do lenders lower an interest rate using points? Where does that money that buyers pay to lower it go? Go to. Um, so yes, you can pay points to lower an interest rate. It doesn't work exactly like this, but I think it's sometimes helpful to think of it 
almost like prepaid interest. Because you're lowering the interest rate, think of it kind of like the interest that you would have paid uh, in the opportunity to lower the interest rate, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, because basically what ends up happening is, I'm trying to think of how to explain, how do I explain this concisely? Uh, so if you're familiar with bonds, it might make a lot more sense because mortgages are all based off of mortgage-backed securities, which are bonds. And so uh, bonds are issued at a specific coupon rate. So even though interest rates change, the bond coupon doesn't rate doesn't change, but the price does. And so the pricing is actually what changes that you see in points. Um, and so effectively that money goes into purchasing the bond uh, at a specific price in the mortgage-backed security when it gets sold. So I don't know how to explain that more concisely because I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. Um, but if you look at, into bonds and understand how the relationship between bond pricing and bond rates work, it might help explain a little bit what's going on in the back end. It is not, what ends up happening is when you pay points, it's not just your loan officer is not like, sweet, we got three grand extra. That's not how it works. Like that money actually goes towards offsetting that lower interest rate. Um, that way when the loan gets sold and packaged into a mortgage-backed security, uh, that money then is used in the purchasing of that. Um, so it's not someone's just like cashing it to give you a lower rate. Um, what are current rates? Great question. I You can go to uh, com slash rates. And uh, I have in here some averages of what are the national average rates. Um, so we can see here on a 30-year conforming conventional loan, um, it would be 3.592%. You can also look at rate trends and what uh, the difference is between how much you put down and your interest or your credit score changes. So less than a 680 FICO credit score, um, you're going to be looking closer to 3.8% compared to 3.5% with something like greater than a 740 uh, credit score. So that's winthehouseyoulove.com slash rates. Um, if you are interested in looking at that. Um, cool, and we got Matt in here. I'm gonna let Matt in. Let me connect my headphones really quickly. Uh, do, 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 do. Otherwise I won't be able to hear you. Oh no, is it not going to connect? There we go. Let's see. All right. Matt, how you doing, my man? <clears throat> oh, mic check, mic check. <laughs> Can you hear me? Your, your fancy, uh, your fancy e-cam. Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can, yeah. Can you hear me? Let me it's, see. So it's usually a little bit delayed. Phone. I can't hear nothing. Oh, you can't hear anything. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Uh, your headphones are connected in, let's see, it's not coming through. Why is that not coming through? Let me see if there's something I can change on my end. Let me see. Can you hear any audio on your computer? 
I see your lips moving. I cannot hear you talking. <laughs> when I when I go to, let's well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll shoot him a, a message. When I go to uh, my setting, it just says microphone. Um. Aaron audio. Let's I'll I'll, uh, I'll shoot him a, a message. Yeah, shoot me a message. You got this. So I go to uh, this old guy that doesn't know text. <laughs> oh, it's okay. We will. Um, let's let me see. I'll send him a text. <clears throat> There's all these different settings. We should have done this. Uh, we probably should have probably should have done this before. That's what you get for being on. so fancy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, take out the cartridge, blow into it, and then pop it back in and try again. Let's see. I shot him a text to see array microphone. In my in my mind, since he I can hear him, it I feel like he can hear me. Ah. <laughs> uh. There's like there's different there's different things I can look on the eCam page, right? Where it's like default microphone, digital audio interface, microphone, microphone array. Um Yeah, so when let me see I don't know how to communicate this to him. How do I communicate this? Um see a settings option? It's, this is funny because I we can all hear him. <laughs> Basically, I, I have my my thing plugged into my ThinkPad. I don't know, dude. Let's see. Um, I can hear myself coming through, but I think it's a slight delay over there. Let's see. I, I don't know what I don't know what to do. Um, let me give Matt a call. Maybe that's what we can do here. Well, you know what it is is I think I'm listening to you on my phone. Hey, what's, hey, what's up, up, dude? Sorry, I'm hey. an old man. No worries. So uh, on your eCam page, can you see any uh -huh. settings uh, about yeah. the audio? Yeah, yeah, so basically, basically there's, 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 there's like, like video, video audio, audio cam link for, for, for camera, and then there's under, I think I, I texted you a screenshot where it's like, like microphone, microphone, microphone array, default microphone. Okay, so you are going to use, I don't know which one of those camera, which one of those microphones is yours. Uh, let's do, what's digital audio interface? I don't, I don't know, because I've, I've just got, got my microphone, microphone plugged, plugged into, into like, like the ThinkPad thingy, my bobber. Okay. okay, let's try that. And then, and then so, so, are there any other settings any other that you can see on your on that page? I don't think so. That's that's like the little like. Okay. And what is your computer audio output settings? Oh, this is. 
this high level stuff right here. <laughs> um, so, so my computer's, my computer's headset, headset earphone, which is like, that says ThinkPad Thunderbolt on my computer. Okay, what options okay, what option do you have, do you have on, that? on that? Um, speakers to Yeti microphone. Ooh, is that it? Can you hear me? Hello? Let me Let see me if see I'm hearing, hearing you through the phone or through the computer. Okay. Test. Can, can we figure it out? I don't know. Can you? I've been able, we've been able to hear you, but the question is, can you hear oh. me? We, we did, did it. it. Okay. So here's what happened is we can hear, I, you can hear me now, but I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so you might have to go into that setting that you just showed me and change it back to a microphone. I don't know which microphones you have connected to your computer, um, but you'll have to change it to something like that. Testing, testing. testing. Uh -oh. Go into that setting and just click through a couple and keep talking. And then I'll okay. let you know when I can hear you. Talking. Fun. All right. So in the meantime, I'm going to answer somebody's question. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then when Matt comes, when I hear his voice, I'll let him know. Um, Dallas market is way too crazy. Maybe. Uh, I was just in Dallas and, you know, I should have looked into a little bit of the, uh, I can I hear you, but I don't so, think they, can you not hear me? Um, still not working. I can hear you. You can hear me. Okay. That's good. Uh, Matt, can you, let's see. Testing, testing. Can I not? No. no? All right. Keep, um, uh, I'm, I'm, like, keep talking a little bit. All right. Now, now can you hear me? Man, I don't even know what's going on. Let me try something on my end really quickly. Microphone array. I'm like going through different settings. I think I've gone through them all. Let's see if I can switch this back over. I'm just going to test something on my computer really quickly. Oh, tech stuff is always fun, isn't it? That's uh, weird. I feel like I can see audio coming through Ecamm. Can you talk for a second? Sure. This is me talking, me talking, me talking. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Can you log out of your Ecamm page and jump back in? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. And we'll see if we we'll see if we can make this work. <laughs> oh. Okay. I'm going to add him in. Okay. All right. Tell me it works. It works. No? It's a little oh. it's a little lag behind, but we'll hope that catches up and we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. Now that. it's working. I, I, I forgot that you, you know, you keep upgrading your technology. Now you're like Ecamm fancy. And, <laughs> and I'm still, uh, you know, I'm so I, I got a new camera at least. Oh, yes. The camera looks great. Okay. So I can hear you. You can hear me. Everyone, if you can let us know that it all works. I think we should be oh. good now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the interruption, guys. Dude. We promise to make it worthwhile. It's going to be worth the wait. You know, five minutes of tech difficulties in return for waiting. I will provide all the best mortgage knowledge <laughs> in my brain at the low, low price of free. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those things, too, where you're like, yeah, this this is free. So um, it's hard to it's hard to complain about, you know, the free the free stuff. All right. Yeah. We got it's annoying, though, like on both sides for us. It's annoying. And like as somebody who's listening, like you watch something online and if there's like 
tech difficulties <laughs> or the audio's messed up. I'm like, oh man, I really want to watch this, but it's hard when uh, sure the audio's all screwed up. So how you doing, brother? I am doing well. I am I am like really tired today, um, so I'm like trying. And I've also stopped drinking caffeine, which could be part of the problem. That's why, dude. I don't want to rub it in your face, but like a, I know, like iced coffee from Temple it's, Coffee. It's made me feel a lot better, but I am a lot. I get a lot. I get tired a lot easier. Um, like I'm just so much less irritable, uh, which is yeah. incredible. I don't have like mood shifts anymore, which is really nice. I just get sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> just take uh, your eyelids open. You'll be fine. I know. I know. So now I just have to drink gross herbal tea. And uh, yay, Christina said, I'll always wait for good content. Thanks, Christina. Oh, sweet. What's up, Christina? Yeah, <laughs> she's she's the best. Appreciate it. How, how have you been doing? So what what is the, what what do you currently feel as a mortgage broker in the phrase that is always being used, this market? Like What, what is right. the feeling now? Well, I mean, we've, we've got a couple different things going on. When, when rates move as dramatically as they did in the last 10 days, everybody thinks that the sky is falling and the world's mm-hmm. ending. Um, you know, depending on where you're looking for the average mortgage rate currently, you know, three, five, three, six, two, five. Um, it's a lot higher than it was a week and a half ago. And if you look at like August of 2021 till today, it's like, you know, a upward trajectory. Um, yeah. And so, you know, for my current business, you know, and, and anybody in mortgage, a lot less refinance that makes sense. So you write less loans that are that are refinance loans. Um, but um, for for buyers, I don't think it's like any sort of inflection point where if it didn't make sense for you to, or if it did make sense for you to buy at three and a quarter, it's not like it doesn't make sense at 3.625. Like rates mm-hmm. are still great. Um, the problem in in my market, and I think a lot of markets, is there's nothing to buy. And yeah. I've had a lot of great conversations with real estate agents just in this past week where, you know, there was there were certain periods of 2021 where the word that was used to describe the market was a little bit of a frenzy. It almost feels like that, dude, like the mm. this last week where you're like, holy cow, 15 offers. That house isn't that nice, you know. Yeah. Um, but when there's next to no inventory and there's people that want to buy you're going to get 15 offers on something that's not that purdy. So, right. um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's still tough for buyers. And, you know, for me, um, in the whole real estate transaction, I'm working with the buyer. So I'm, I'm, I'm a champion for the, for the buyer and the buy side. Uh, I don't want it to be hard. You know, I want it to be right. something where you can go out there and say, Oh, you know, I've got a few different things to choose from. And, I want a four bedroom, two bath in this neighborhood and it could be stress-free and easy. It doesn't it's really just, exist like that anymore, does it? <laughs> it really doesn't, dude. And I, and I know yeah. you, I know yeah. you where, where you want to, to, you know, educate people and coach people and make it an experience that is like, it should be a happy one, an exciting one. Um, and when it's rushed and you got to offer within 24 minutes of seeing something and, and, and that stuff, it's, it's unfortunately kind of, what we're feeling and seeing, even though it's not ideal, um, yeah, for for a lot of home buyers. But but that's that's how things are. I remember, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. So all through December, I was telling people, I was like, "You guys wait. I'm in these real estate meetings. These real estate agents are telling me they've got inventory coming. 
it's going to come. It's not going to be so hard for buyers. And I think I was trying to like will it into existence. I was like trying to <laughs> do all I could. Like if I say it enough right. times, maybe it'll come yeah. true. Um, yeah. You're then, trying to pull some like law of attraction on it, write it down on an index card, post it up, and then maybe it's, it'll come true. Stay in my mirror. I am powerful. <laughs> I am strong. The market is... Wait, so what it, what's the inventory coming that you're hearing people talk about? Like what, what do you mean by... Well, I, I think that I was just hopeful that like you know, before you actually see it with a sign in the yard and before anything hits like any sort of national radar for like, here's what's going on. If, if you're in the business, you're going to be talking to agents, you're going to be talking to other people and you're going to hmm. like have a yeah. sense for that. And I just heard more conversations about like, I've got sellers that want to list. They're not going to list over the holidays, but they're going to list on January 3rd or they're going to list the second week of January. My hope was that like these five or six conversations I heard were happening everywhere and that they were going to have some, you know, kind yeah. of inventory influx, which would have helped the market become more stable. Um, right. And, you know, unfortunately it hasn't played out like that. And, uh, you know, the, the calls I'm on now are me talking with agents or me talking with consumers and saying, you know, I hate to, to, you know, break it to you, but the truth is you've got to waive your appraisal contingency if you want to compete. The truth is you've got to come in above list X number of dollars. And, you know, this house isn't perfect, but yeah. they've got 12 offers. I've called the list side to, you know, do my part to, to schmooze. And, and you know, I, I try to do, um, you know, partnering alongside agents. They're going to dig for information and try to find out, mm -hmm. like, what's important to the seller, what type of things we need to put in this offer. A lot of agents asked me, they said, Matt, see what information you could get. I got some, but yeah. see if you can get some as well. Yeah. Um, just to try to put buyers in the best position to get something accepted. And, uh, you know, I think there was an offer within the last couple of days where I called really strong offer, presented well by the agent, had all these things with, with free rent back and um, appraisal being waived that the agent knew was important to the seller. Then, you know, I do my follow-up call. Hey, I'm the lender on 123 Main Street. Just wanted to follow up. Let them know I've got a full file. I can close quick, all that stuff. And she said, Matt, thank you. Like, great offer. Agent was pleasant to talk to. We've got four offers, cash above list. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and, you know. And you're in the Sacramento market too, right. which is crazy competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it was, you know, what's funny is, is, uh. I've got a local appraiser, Ryan Lundquist, whose blog is awesome. Yeah, follow um, his blog. Uh, Sacramento, Sacramento Appraisal, appraisal blog. Home Appraisal Blog. blog. Uh, yeah, yeah, SacramentoAppraisalBlog.com. we got to shout him out. I think he's going to be on my live on, on the 31st. Oh, cool. But 18 straight months of less than a month of inventory. Um, I think year over year price appreciation in Sacramento is like 19.6%. So, so yeah. maybe all markets aren't Sacramento, but I know that like – Sacramento uh, is 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 where I'm doing a lot of the the business right. locally, and it's yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, and I, I will say for a lot of people too. I, I think a lot of people can hear. I think most of the voices about housing happen from people who are in like really competitive metros, which makes sense. Like that's where a lot of people are, but there are also a lot of people in markets that are competitive, but not as competitive. And what I've been seeing too is like, I think some people get really discouraged and talk themselves out of even considering buying a home because they hear stuff is competitive. But keep in mind, like for instance, there's a lot of people here in Dayton, Ohio who are buying 
and it's not like Sacramento. Still a tough market. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a very tough market uh, or a really tough competition, but it's not Sacramento. <laughs> not everyone's always waving like appraisal contingencies and right. uh, seeing as many cash offers and things like that. Um, and it, so it is tough for those people in the metros. Like, I think what you're saying is spot on, but there's also hundreds of thousands of people, even, I'm probably millions of people in places that are not metros where like how buying a home is still possible. It's a lot more difficult, but definitely still possible. I just don't want people to get like super discouraged by, you know, hearing stuff like that. And they're like, man, um, I, why would I even try? Uh, right. I think is what a lot of people can feel like. I, I'm curious, uh, before we jump into some questions here, what, so like there's a, uh, a recent change with an increase in costs, uh, upfront costs for the second homes and high balance area. Uh, loans, which is like in Sacramento, in uh, like Nash around Nashville, a couple other different markets, um, an increase in fees like pretty significantly. It was like one to three. It wasn't three and a half percent or three point seven five percent. Yeah, and I think top limit from on second what, homes. Yeah, from what I read, like it was a huge, um, and 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 even though it talks about. April 1st, 2022, this stuff going into effect for anybody that doesn't know, you know, a second home or a high balance loan are going to have added fees. Um, so either you're going to pay a higher rate or you're going to pay more in cost for that rate. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've already seen, and I literally saw a lender come out with it today, our 60 day locks starting on January 28th, our 45 day locks starting on February 13th like their locks already that are being locked are going to have these loan level price adjustments baked in. Um, already something... before. Right. Yeah. Okay, so they're, they're they, saying they have like, to sell it then on April. Exactly. 1st. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. that was something I said in my video where it's like, you know, they're not going to wait till April 1st to implement these, these price increases. They're going to do it yeah. now because they're not going to get stuck holding the bag. They've got to sell it off. And so, you know, if you're trying to lock something next month, saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm going to buy a second home and, and this thing doesn't go into effect till April 1st, most lenders are going to start implementing, you know, this one I saw today was like Plaza Mortgage or something. Um, you know, the 60-day locks are going to get affected in January, the 45-day locks in February, and then, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're going to have to have that loan closed probably uh, by, by March 1st, right. or at least with, with, a, with, a, with a shorter lock um, towards the end of February. And so, um, so a cool note, Kyle, is I came across something today and, you know, in this whole scheme of things where there's a thousand different things, and you know, the internet's a wild place, with all kinds of information. I saw something that was super interesting. So I recorded a quick video and I think it went live on my channel at two o'clock. Um, okay. these, these price increases for second homes and high balance loans within their verbiage, they talked about we're going to charge more here because we want to make home ownership more accessible, cheaper for low to moderate income folks right. and first time home buyers. I saw that. I talked about it and I said, listen, I believe that like the administration has talked about this. I know it's a priority. I know that um, if they're going to have increased revenue by charging more for certain loan types, they're going to want to pass that savings on and make it cheaper. I don't know how they're going to do it, or how they're going to implement it. I literally saw something this morning that said March's DU, which is Fannie's automated system for anybody. I try not to talk too technical, right? We want to keep it simple for folks. But 
in simple terms, they're going to make it to where if you're a first time home buyer and you're under 100% of the area median income, which is low to moderate income people in, in most cases, in most counties, you're going you're gonna to be able to have loan level price adjustment waivers. And okay, so I heard, I heard about that. Is that officially a thing that's going to happen? Not official, not official. Okay. So it's, okay. it's yeah. they're, they're talking about it, right? But in my head, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. And that's exactly how you help first time home buyers. Because, yeah. you know, to simplify it for people, and in my video I talked about, if you're a first time home buyer and you don't make over 100% of the area median income, what it means to have a, a loan level price adjustment waiver is the rate might start at three and a quarter but then a 680 credit score, a 97% loan to value, all these different quote unquote ads, loan level price adjustments get added on to where the final rate is 3.625 or 3.75. Yeah. If you get that waived because you're a first time home buyer under a certain income, then you get a three and a quarter. It makes home ownership more attainable, more affordable for you. So um, yeah. another reason, you know, another positive, I guess, right? Like, don't don't be discouraged as a first-time home buyer. Don't think that it's impossible. Don't think that if rates go up, you're never going to be able to afford a house. Like, there is some of this stuff coming. Like you said, that's not official yet, and it's not like it's 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 uh, there, but it's like a targeted March implementation of of DU. Right. Yeah, and, and I think what they're with the change of the conservatorship with FHFA. So basically, how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac run. One of the, what they're charged with, their goal, uh, the government's goal for these enterprises is for them to make homes more affordable. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. And it seems like right now they're trying to make it basically so people who are buying second homes and homes in high cost areas, they're going to end up costing more money. You're going to have to pay more money to get those types of loans because those are, uh, I mean, you could probably argue considerably like those types of loans are the ones that are help are increasing home costs pretty quickly, especially in the high cost areas. And so trying to even it out in a way where it's like the people who are getting second homes and people who are uh, paying or getting these really big loans are going to have to pay more in fees than somebody who is getting a lower cost loan or a lower value loan. Um, right. So it's really interesting how they're trying to balance the two out. Um, and I did see that about the, the talk about removing the loan level price adjustments, which you mentioned are all these like add-ons that increase rate. Um, and it could be really, it's gonna be really interesting to see, I think what, like in a, f a few months or maybe the end of the year, uh, if those changes do happen, where uh, like the rate spread between somebody who's looking at uh, buying a home in Sacramento, for instance, I'm curious like what the rate is gonna look like there versus in like Dayton, Ohio, or like, how big this rate shift is for somebody who equally can qualify uh, for a loan in those areas. Like how big of a spread are we talking with those rates? Because right now they're very similar. Um, and so I'm, it's gonna be really interesting to see like how much of a difference is there uh, between the two. Right, right, yeah. And I mean, like, like it or not, or if anybody like wants to call it fair or unfair, like if somebody's better off and, and more easily able. I think in, in my video, I pointed out like, if you're gonna pay a quarter higher and have a $970,000 loan in Los Angeles County, um, and it affects your payment by $200, the person who's able to buy that million dollar house can probably like stomach that $200 increase. 
somebody who's buying a first time home and yeah. they're buying for 180,000 in Dayton, Ohio, them saving $75 yeah. a month is huge, right? And so it it's in a very similar way like an increased tax on higher income. Like it's if you're going to get a bigger loan, it's going to have more fees with it than a smaller loan because right now it doesn't really work that way. It's kind of very similar level of cost between the two between loans right now. And so it's going to be very similar like with that analogy like somebody who's making a million dollars a year, they're going to pay way more in taxes than somebody making 100,000. Um Javier he's, he he so wants me to say Claude de Bussy Bussy on <laughs> on here and that so if that makes you happy Javier, there you go. Uh, <laughs> is is his market still going crazy? Is Arizona still wild? Phoenix is uh on par with Sacramento or higher appreciation than Sacramento. I believe it was higher last year. I'm not sure exactly yeah, what it's so. been like so far um, in the past few months, but I know 2021, it was higher than uh, Sacramento. He said yeah, if like uh, if inventory begins to rise, what do you think will happen to the rates? I mean, I think rates are headed up irregardless of, of inventory. I think it's going to be... Uh, you know, a steady increase of, of interest rates as the Fed does what they've promised to do. You know, I think Jerome Powell's made enough promises where he can't really go back on like, we're going to really, you know, do this. We're going to have four rate hikes after we get done tapering our, our purchase mortgage-backed securities. You know, this is what is in store. And, you know, I've been yeah. beating that drum for a long time, telling people like, get it while the getting's good interest rate wise um, right because those are going to continue to increase it all um, looks like it's going higher from here doesn't it right and, uh, and so uh yeah ho- hopefully the the increased inventory though makes it to where home prices level out like at like i said i'm a champion for home buyers and i'm working with home buyers as much as i love real estate that own a bunch of real estate and appreciation helps me personally um i would love to see three to four percent home price appreciation in 2022 right. the only way that that, that it kind of <laughs> yeah. calms down and comes back to a reasonable level is if there's inventory um there so that we don't have this this huge like supply and demand imbalance because right now yeah. with little inventory like i said people are bidding the stuff up and going crazy if 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 things continue this year like i see them right now we're gonna have another double digit home price appreciation year which not a lot of people want i don't want it certainly you know it just yeah. makes it harder and harder for people trying to enter the market and um things uh you know a, a lot of people want want to make sure that home ownership is attainable for as many people as possible that's that's something we're all fighting against i think yeah all right we got a lot of questions second up here you want to do a uh, you want to do a quick round like yeah let's do a rapid fif- fire 15 30 second answer and let's just we're going to go through these. All right. So Barry, yeah. I, uh, I applied for a loan with the mortgage company and they told me my credit had, uh, had to be a 660 to a 670. Uh, is there anyone else to try? Plenty of people to try. What you're looking at is what's called a mortgage, uh, an overlay. Um, so even though the minimum on a loan is going to be usually a lot less than that. So for most government loans, 500 for conventional loans, 620, each lender might have an overlay. So an artificial minimum that they create. And so you absolutely can go talk to plenty of people who are going to have options lower uh, than 660. Um, and so maybe that's what you lead with. Hey, I have a 650. Are you able to help me? Yes. Great. Then you can talk with them. Talk to a couple other people who can do that as well. Um, let's see 
here you got one for you for a call-in. Uh, is there a restriction time-wise before you can cash out refi to roll equity into a second property? Um, is there a better route to head if you want to pull equity out to roll into a second property? So my, my best guess is here is you're trying to do a cash out refinance to buy another property, to buy like an investment I think that's, property. I think that's what he means by rolling equity into a second property. Yeah, before you can cash out refi to roll equity. Um, there's no real restriction time-wise, you know, for a lot of people too, they're like, hey, I bought this house nine months ago. When's the earliest I can do a cash out refinance? Cash out refinance is gonna depend on your equity position. If, if you put 10% down, you can't pull cash out nine months later unless the thing's appreciated, you know, significantly. Cash out refinance on your primary is limited to 80% loan to value with most any lender. Um, and so that's, you know, that's more important than the time in the property, I think. That's my quick answer. I like it. Uh, yeah, Ben said, I like this new style of life. <laughs> I was, well, I've been thinking about doing this on other live streams where I'm like, sometimes things build up and I'm like, man, I want to answer people's questions. But like, it's like some you want to give a long time, you want to like be in depth and the other, you don't want the whole live stream just be like, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. I, yeah. I'm, I think I might make a little countdown timer and like place it somewhere and be like, I have 30 seconds to answer this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably good for somebody like me because I'll, I'll spend eight minutes answering one question and then you got 42 questions lined up behind it. it. It's hard with it's hard with mortgage stuff because it's it always is like uh, it depends. Uh, here's all the things that it depends on. Um, Joshua, is it okay to have a mortgage above twenty five percent of your net income when all your utilities and living expenses equate to forty five percent of your net income? A mortgage above twenty five percent of your net income, I think, is going to be fine. Twenty five percent of your net income is extremely conservative. Um, I know I've mentioned that in one of my videos. I don't really recommend it right now because it's not realistic for most people, um, unfortunately, with the way that homes continue to ap uh, appreciate in value. Um, and really, I think a better indication of this is going to be understanding your budget. Uh, so I use a tool called You Need a Budget. Um, you can use something like Every Dollar. There's tons of free tools. Zero-based budgeting is what you're looking for to see if you're comfortable making a payment. If you're unsure and you're too stubborn to budget, make practice payments. So if you're talking with somebody and you're like, I think I can land around $2,000 a month as a mortgage payment, take that $2,000 a month, set it aside in a separate account, do that for three to four months, however long you need. Is that comfortable or is it tight? Practice the payment. As long as you can make that payment comfortably, likely you're going to be able to make your mortgage payment comfort comfortably. Is that fair? Yep, that's fair. Uh, oh, let's see if we can find another one here. Um, is there an easy way to distinguish which companies are brokers versus direct lenders? Um, for some reason, it hasn't been the easiest to find out. That's a great question. It is a good question. I think like in all honesty, like one, you can ask them. Most of them are going to tell you direct lenders going to tell you why direct lending is the best. Brokers going to tell you why brokers are the best. Um, but, but really you want to talk to somebody you like and trust. I got plenty of buddies who do, uh, direct lending. I got plenty of uh, friends in the broker community. And, and I think if, if I were to give advice, you want to talk to one or the other versus somebody who works in a call center and worked at Chick-fil-A last month. Um, you're just going to get higher level advice. And so, uh, I guess the quick answer is it, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but just ask them. Yes. Um, Rich, where can I see off uh, yeah, where can you see off-market properties? Do you have a good answer for this? Because I don't. 
Um, I think the best bet is is to connect with a really good realtor. You know, a lot of times people are like trying to find off market and they're trying to find deals and they're, you know, investor clients um, that, yeah. that I work with, like there's high level realtors that get a lot of off market properties brought to them. And if you're a serious buyer that's in the position to buy, they're going to bring you properties because that's how they make money. And so rather than try to find one or two per month, let somebody bring you 40. Um, so that's my best advice. Find an investor friendly realtor, but know that there's maybe not like all these fantastic off market deals like everybody might imagine. Yeah. There is. Yeah. As much as that would it's, be It's nice. like saying, where's all, where's all the REOs? Where's the foreclosures? One, <laughs> they're going to sell at retail because there's so much demand and so little inventory. Two, I think foreclosure rates in most markets are like 0.3%. So like one third of 1%. Um, yeah. There's just not a lot of inventory around. Uh, Vincent, can I consider my retirement plan from work as assets for a loan? Um, yes, it's going to depend on the retirement plan. Usually the easiest is a 401k. Um, you can also use with, with 401k, you have to, uh, show your, um, withdrawal documentation just to make sure that you can actually use it for a mortgage, which I've never run into a 401k that doesn't allow you to use it for home purchase. Have you? Right. Yeah. All, all of those, you know, are going to be fine where you will run into trouble is in California. A lot of people are part of like the, the state workers retirement plan mm. and there's, it's, it's not like liquid. You can't draw yeah, from like a pension. So you can't, yeah. You can't use that. Like, Oh, I've got pension. I worked for the state for 14 years. I come across that a lot. And so, you know, as long as it's something that's liquid, like a 401k, we could take a loan from it. Or you can take a, you know, they call it a hardship withdrawal from a 401k when uh, you use it for the purchase of a home. It's allowed. Um, so, yeah, depending on what type of plan it is, just just talk to a good loan officer. They'll give you good advice. Um, ooh, can I get approved for a $350,000 loan with a 55% debt to income ratio with great credit? FHA will go up to a back end debt to income ratio of 56.99%. If you have, the only way to pull that off is if you have fantastic credit. Uh, still doesn't mean you're going to see <laughs> an, a good, like the approval chances don't necessarily equate that it's going to be a yes, but that is one of the only instances that I know of is either with FHA or with a VA loan that uses residual income instead of debt to income. Um, that is the only instance in which I know you'd be able to go up to that high of a debt to income ratio um, that I can think of because conventional is going to cap you out at 49.99% on the back end. Uh, USDA, oh, I can't remember this off the top of my head, 46.9%. Yeah. yeah. And and you got to understand too, as a buyer that like your front end and your back end matter, right? For somebody who's, um, you know, 43 back end, but also 43 front end, it's going to be tough, right? And yeah. if you're, if you're 31, 49, you might have a chance, but I think it's just another example of like, spend the time to get fully pre-approved, talk to a loan officer who knows what they're talking about. There might be some massaging where there's some debts that can be paid off, or there's some uh, something else you can do um, to make it work to get you to 49%. But a lot of people want to talk scenarios, like put in the work, do the pre-approval, um, it's it's our time, energy, and thirty one bucks to pull your credit that we're willing to do on you on our end. Just just get right. the stuff in and start talking to a professional. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid to do that, which, which I get. Like I think um, there are not great loan officers to talk to, but there are also really great loan officers who are 
absolutely want to help you come up with a good strategy to get approved. Uh, it's not always, I think sometimes it can be viewed as like, it's a pass fail. Like I yeah. went in, I tried to get approved and then it was just, I, it, I, I didn't get approved and that was it. And now I don't have a good game plan, but there's so many loan officers uh, like yourself who are like, no, let's get on a game plan to figure out what can we do. If, you, if the answer is not uh, right now, then there's a couple steps we can take uh, where in three, six months, a year, you can qualify and it's easier to figure out now and get on a good game plan than to just feel too paralyzed by making that decision um, before you move yeah. forward with it. Yeah, I've heard other lenders talk about it too, where sometimes it's like, yeah, if we would have talked to you a year ago, we could have put you on a good course, good game plan. You don't have the conversation at all. You know, by the time you talk to a professional, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, here's the steps you need to take credit wise, income wise, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So the sooner the better, if you're thinking about buying, talk to somebody who can point you in the right direction. Yes. Man, I'm still at the questions that were like where we had the audio issues. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me let me move down here a little bit. Um, let's see, let's see. Let's there see, should let's be see. a feature where you could like spin it like a wheel, and then Ooh, just lands. Oh my! I would love that. Yeah, feel, talk to your friends at YouTube. Tell them now that oh you're a hundred thousand subscriber. Now that you're a big shot. I I can't say I have any friends at YouTube yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe they yeah, ship why, out your your plaque and uh, connect you with a a friend. Uh, Oscar said, what DTI do you have to ha have to be for a 3% conventional loan? Um, so there are hard limits on the debt to income ratio, uh, but most conventional loans are gonna be underwritten through a software like Matt was mentioning, DU, Desktop Underwriter, um, which is now Desktop Originator, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's D DO, um, but I think they get used interchangeably, DO, DU, it's yeah. all the same. And uh, Freddie Mac's LPA, which is a loan product advisor. So even though there are these hard limits, there are going to be limits for your personal situation based on risk factors of your loan, like how big is the loan, the credit score, all these other things. And unfortunately, none of these softwares are transparent about what those limits are for your specific situation. Um, I think they probably don't want to people to game the system because that's probably what they would do. Uh, but there are hard limits. So on a conventional loan, there is no front end ratio, but there is a back end ratio of 49.99%. That is the hard limit that no one's ever been able to go over. However, if you have a lower credit score for conventional, so let's say you have uh, maybe closer to like a 630, it might be difficult for you to get above a 43% back end debt to income ratio. Um, doesn't mean that everybody gets to go up to the 49.99%. That's usually gonna be reserved for the lowest risk uh, type of loans. Yeah, and I, I mean, for this specific case too, like 3% down, that is a risk factor when you're 97% loan to value. So um, even if you've got great credit, um, you know, it might be that you need the front end to be below 40, mm -hmm. you need the back end below 45. Um, you know, your credit's going to come into play, how much you have in cash reserves going to come into play, um, your down payment, you know, in that case, 3% down is, is the lowest, like available for, uh, <laughs> yeah, for Massage the numbers. Massage, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Massage that, that's the, the term we use. Massage <laughs> the massage the broker for favors. Got it. <laughs> There's things you can do. You can pay off a hundred and seventy-two dollar Home Depot, and that you know drops that. Or you get cheaper homeowners insurance. There's yeah. there's a lot of massaging that can be done. I don't know why that's the term that I like between my processor and my production manager. Me, we're like, yeah. is there any room to massage? <laughs> <laughs> Something got to pull the out that lotion. Loan term, okay, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Having a hard time finding someone who will manually underwrite for FHA with bad credit, high income, any advice. Um, this, don't take the suggestion as a fantastic lender to work with, but a lender who will do manual underwrites on FHA loans all the time is Carrington. Um, have you used Carrington before? Oh my God. It's not a fun yes. time. It's In not a fun time. In 2018, I did like multiple FHA streamlines and uh, you know, FHA does go down to 500 credit score and Carrington is the company that wants those loans. You have to be a very patient individual, uh, not only as a loan originator, but as a client, because they will, and and maybe rightly so, you know, a 512 credit score, it might be a little bit hairy. You might have a few derogatory things on there that cause that. Um, oh man, I was just, I was having flashbacks, dude. <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to the, I've done quite a few below 550 credit score loans and they're uh they're not a, they're not the most fun they can be done but uh what's interesting is like even when covid first hit and a lot of people were adding overlays to 640 some 680 some 700 uh carrington was still like we'll do the 500 bring it all to us yeah i think the best and advice they, for that person too is like maybe 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 to try to like you know figure out yeah. you know some some good strategies for 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 improving credit because even folks like 506 515 i've seen you know six months 100 plus point turnaround you know if you get that credit score to 640 your options just open up you know right. better lenders better terms better all kinds of stuff um yes oh I, yeah that's what i wanted to mention to you uh the when covid first hit and all the lockdowns were happening. I talked with our account executive at Carrington and he said, I can't remember if it was 10 or 20, like 20 X increase in their pipeline because all these overlays were happening. People were moving their loans for people who were sub 640, sub 680 credit scores to Carrington because that's the only lender that would do it. And so I can't remember if it was 10 X or 20 X, but it was, at minimum it was 10 times their normal pipeline. And Carrington so they, already was difficult to work with. I was going to say, they went from closing in 45 <laughs> so, days to now a 90-day process. So That's what they were telling people. They were like, "You don't come to us unless you have, like they weren't accepting, unless you had a 60-day contract minimum. They weren't even going to let you register the loan. Um, which I was like, I, I get it. Uh, yeah. Rose, uh, looking to buy home this year to stay in for about two years. Is this a good idea versus continuing to rent? This is a this is a loaded question. I think if I are we still doing rapid fire? Am I still trying to answer in fifteen seconds? Uh, we can spend um, a little bit longer on this. Well, I I think that you know, like a lot of scenarios, it's it's really you know specific on the person's specific scenario. Um, where are you going in two years? You know, what is the rental market in in the place that you're living? Um, because you know, the shorter the time frame is, the more risky it is to purchase a house. And I'm a lender, right? I make a living helping people buy houses, but I would still say I would probably do a lot more due diligence if I knew I was only going to be in this place for two years. Um, you're going to pay, um, you know, fees to get a loan. You know, there's costs when you want to sell the house. And so there's all this stuff involved where if you're buying a house for a decade or, or longer time span, like I'm 
I'm all for real estate. I'm bullish on real estate. If it's something that, that you're leaving in 18 months, you want to factor in um, things like cost to buy, cost to sell. And, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people too. They're like, man, I got this sweet deal. I'm able to rent this place for $800. And I know that I can be here for at least another two years. You know, if you're that person and, and your market is expensive and you're leaving in 18 months, I can keep renting for two years for 800 bucks a month. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be the exact opposite. You know, you can, you can find a house that, that makes a lot of sense. You can pay less than you're paying in rent. You might see, um, you know, some appreciation in the next two years. So that's, that's a tough one, but it's, it's probably like a conversation you want to have with a mortgage professional. That's going to give you good, honest feedback. I literally had a conversation yesterday where I talked somebody out of selling and buying something new because it just didn't make sense for their specific scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's a good segue into is 203K possible in Sacramento? So two, FHA 303K is, for people who don't know, is a rehab loan uh, through FHA. And so you can buy a home that's distressed that wouldn't normally pass FHA appraisal uh, standards and then get rehab money to fix it up and then live in it. Um, is that possible in Sacramento, though? I mean, I had this conversation on Monday, I think, with somebody where if if something is distressed and it's going to sell at a discount and it needs 30000 40000 to repair, your competition to purchase is a home flipper. Home flippers are mm. abundant in a market like Sacramento, California, that's seeing appreciation, that's got a lot of demand. Um, you come to the seller and say, hey, I'm willing to pay you 280000 it's going to take me 60 days to close. I'm using this rehab loan. And then right next to you are two cash buyers that are willing to pay 270. The the short answer is is no, right? Like it's going to be very hard to get that offer accepted. Yeah. Especially because the 203k is normally people are going to set aside 60 days to close compared right. to a really competitive loan like you're talking about. You guys are what what is your average contract to close time that you're working at? <sighs> Man, I feel like I feel like we're probably around twenty days. You know, we're like okay. realtors are writing twenty-five and thirty-day contracts, and you know, I just talked to realtors like, "Can we do 21? I'm like, "All right, well, better get that appraisal order quick. Better make sure right. we got the client who's super <laughs> responsive." But yeah, um, so they're, they're, why don't they always they ever ask for longer? It's always like, "Can we do it in nineteen? Can we do it in seven? Oh, can we do it tomorrow? Yeah. Right? Yeah, maybe not." Yeah. And we get it clear to close two weeks early on a 30 day and they're like, oh, no, 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 we can't close early. Got it. And use the whole 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael asked, uh, how how would a lender consider income for a loan if you take a pay cut by moving to a new state? Um, planning a move from Los Angeles to Phoenix area if I can land a job out there. Yeah, this is, this is a good one. A lot of people are moving. And, and uh, you know, I talk to people that, um, you know, depending on the job type and the pay type, if you're moving from L.A. to Phoenix and you get a job offer in Phoenix that's $65,000 a year annual and it's a salary, we can use that 65000 you know, divided by 12 as your monthly income because it's a salary job, even if it's a, um, you know, pay reduction. Where you're going to run into problems is if you go, you know, from salary to hourly or salary to commission or, um, you know, a, a lot of times you can move into something where the lender just needs a two year history of it, like a commission job or hourly or, or variable rate job. So um, 
it's it's uh, it's not going to be a deal killer if it's a salary job that you're you know taking less of a pay. I'm seeing a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm moving from Fresno to LA or moving from here to here, and they're you know getting an increase in pay. So whether increase or decrease, you probably want to talk to a lender about how the how the structure of the new job is mm. is is the pay structure, so you know you can use it at all. Yeah. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Oscar said my quote went from two point nine nine FHA or three point three two conventional to three point two five FHA, uh, and paying six thousand for points. Does that seem normal? Um. Well, with how rates have gone up, uh. Yeah, it's going to depend on when those quotes happened. I think is the bigger question. When was the first quote, and when was the second quote? Uh, and then what's changed in between there with rates, uh, because rates have gone up pretty significantly in the last week. Right. Yeah. And that's probably a good public service announcement. If you got pre-approved in December and you're talking to a loan officer and, and you kind of were like, okay, I'm buying at this amount. Here's what my payment looks like. You you want to circle back. You you want to yeah. say, hey, you know, can I get it updated? Uh, we send people like an Excel spreadsheet. It looks like a loan estimate. Um, it's changed. It's gone up and it's gone up for everybody. It's not like, you know, there's somebody hoarding all the low rates and some lenders able to, you know, take some of that paper. Out <laughs> That's of the what I've been hearing. Like, oh, we got a few left limited inventory <laughs> two nine nines. They're still here. Like, you know, rates, rates have gone up for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating, isn't it? Well, especially because there's still all, all the advertisements from then from then are still running because right. it was only a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago. Yeah. Like all those companies are still running those low interest rates advertisements. And they're like, wait, this is not, it uh and they're definitely not supposed to do that compliantly but <laughs> yeah good nobody, luck getting them to stop yeah nobody they'll, they'll, they'll continue to do it we'll have 10 days of increase and be like rates are at their lowest today give us a call right. <laughs> historic <laughs> lows there's an or those like weird ones are like there's an obama era program that what it, it's always like it's like what you're just talking about an fha loan that's not yeah. <laughs> this is not special right. government um, program for you yeah right uh I'm at a 720 middle score and have seven inquiries on my credit uh, because I have three new credit cards. I got five months ago. I have the funds for 3% down. Closing, why am I getting denied for a loan? Uh, DTI 41.56%. Let me go through reading this again. I wonder it's, I wonder what the front end is, you know, because um, if, if your DTI is 41.56%, um, you know, 720 middle score. If if the front, if the front was under 35, and this is something where last year, you know, those automated systems that we all have to run it through as lenders were were, were squeezing a little bit. And I think you know, if you're putting three percent down and you don't have any reserve funds in the bank, it's it's a risk factor that that automated system, you know, is just. Yeah recognizing, you know, this person is going to buy a $300,000 house. They've got the 18,000 to do 3% down plus closing costs. But besides that, there's only $62 in the bank. Um, you know, it might tighten or shrink what DTI it's going to approve at. And so, you know, you might have a 37 over 41 that, that DU's just spitting back, um, refer, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not eligible. Um, and so, yeah, I would, th this is, this is a good one where like it pays to be working with a great loan officer who can explain it to you and say, listen, you know, we've got a 36 over 41. It's, it's not liking it. Any loan officer out there can say, you know what, 
I just ran it again with 6,000 in reserve funds. I got an approved eligible. He or said I ran 38% it again. front end. 38 front end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet that's it. I bet that, uh, you know, it's. Yeah. At minimum, you could there. try, see, see if it could be ran at 5% down and just see if that changes anything. Because 3% down can be tricky. I, fa- yeah. I find often it's just that one, that extra 2% down payment opens a whole new world of possibilities. Not everything, it doesn't you know give <laughs> let anything fly by, but uh, at least might be a good place to start. And then from there, yeah, I would maybe explore, um, uh, it looks like Dan, Fri- Dan Frio's in here, hello. Uh, oh, so, Dan Frio! No, all these, all these YouTube yeah. celebrities. <laughs> um, yeah, there also is a potential for FHA. The hard part is FHA is, a, is does cost more in the fees that you're going to pay, and uh, in depending on your market, it's probably going to be really tough for most people. Um, but that could be a, a possibility if that's what you're looking for. But um, yeah, would at least try five percent. See if there's any reserves that can be added. Are there retirement accounts that can be added? Um, are there accounts that aren't being considered um, to maybe help offset some of those factors in there? But um, yeah, Matt, I think you're right. The uh, that front end ratio is probably what's what's the issue. Yeah, I think so. I, I wish that AUS was more clear about stuff like that. If it could, if it could just say, "Hey, your problem is your front end ratio," and they'd be like, "Oh, okay, cool." Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. instead, it's just like, good luck good to luck. you, pal. That's what it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not very helpful. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dan said, "You're Matt. You're killing it." Thanks, Dan. Great to see you, brother. How smooth is QC? I'm assuming they're talking about like uh, quality control when when the loan's uh, underwritten and then goes into quality control at the end, just kind of do a final check. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking either that or like you know QC on an appraisal, but mm, um, yeah. I'm just out here making videos and talking to people. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on the back end working QC. <laughs> it seems pretty smooth to me. Yeah. I mean, Any, I th- I, I, anytime I've had a loan that goes into QC, it's never had an issue. It's always like, hey, this right. is in an audit or quality control, and you're like, cool, and then it comes back, and they're like, sounds good. Yeah, I get post close stuff all the time where where you know my production manager has to go chase down a document or or something like that. Like, hey, we found in the audit that we need this and. You know, reach out to the client. Sorry, sorry. Um, you know, after they're closing for, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it'll it'll just be you know something that they they want for their file, and it's usually never a big deal. I'll uh, yeah. I'll send them some brownies and a card. Thanks for helping us I've out on in, that. I've run into one very interesting one where uh, it was man, how long? It was like eight months to a year later after closing that I get an email from uh, someone in the QC team and they're like, hey, we need your help on this. I'm like, I saw the, the name of the person in the subject. And I was like, that was so long ago. What's, what in the world? <laughs> That's done, we closed yeah. that. I, I don't, I, we shouldn't have to worry about that. And uh, so they, they did the verbal verification of employment. So before you finally sign on the final documents to close on your home, uh, the lender, uh, if you're employed regularly is going to call your employer to make sure you still work there. Um, and so they called, uh, I think two days before closing and they found in their audit, uh, I don't know exactly how they found this out, but that the borrower quit the day before closing and then signed to close and obviously didn't tell anybody and then signed the document that says, yeah, we still work here. We still make this income. Everything's still fine. 
And so, of course, nobody knew. And so I, and so then they wanted updated pay stubs to say like they could still qualify for this loan. And so that was very interesting in trying to explain uh, to them like, hey, uh, this is a big deal. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, like this, this is mortgage fraud. Um, and so like we do need to figure out a solution to this. And I can't guarantee what, like I don't know what's going to happen on the other end of this. Like they have all legal right to pursue this if they want to. So I just want to make that very clear. Um, and so, I mean, obviously they're not going to keep me up to date on what's happening in, with that, but I imagine nothing significant happened since they got the pay stubs and everything's fine and they're happy with, well, they're fine with the outcome at least. But uh, it was one of those, those things where I was like, ah. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like, I, you know, we've only got the information that the borrower gives us. We don't know, uh, you know, right. all, all, all those details. I had somebody who came to me, this was last year, where something similar happened. And he said, he called me, William Sign, I said, hey, Matt, like, I just found out literally today that they're going to lay me off. I don't feel right about signing this because um, I'm not going to be working here anymore. And I said, I, I get it, man. Like, you you are still well within your right to cancel. It's not going to, you know, mm -hmm. like, you, you, don't, you don't have to proceed. And uh, as soon as you get gainful employment, as long as it's salary, we still qualify you, we'll do the refinance then. And, uh, you know, he had to wait two months. Luckily, you know, it was a period last year where rates didn't go up. We we're able to get him basically the same rate just two months later. Um, but yeah, he was honest about it. Not like, yeah. the, you know, the client that's like, oh yeah, still work here. <laughs> Hopefully somebody doesn't catch this later. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not great, is it? Uh, Chris said, how long are your appraisals taking? Uh, he said, uh, he's two hours from Sacramento and his took Holy 30, day, 30 days. Um, Jeez. I think in December it was slow. I was just telling a client, um, on this one where we just wrote a 21 day contract that, um, uh, we're getting them back quick. I had some that were ordered on the third that we got back by the fifth. And I was like, mm, Woo wow. like refinances have dried up. So like appraisers are more available because they're not doing a ton of refinance appraisals. So, so I think they've gotten quicker. If you're two hours from Sacramento, I wonder if it's like a rural area or something. Because for sure, there's um, you know areas where we put out orders, and it's like, oh, it's going to be four weeks for that or three weeks for that because mm. there's just not appraisers lining up to drive out into the woods and do something that's right. more rural and a harder appraisal. Um, but I would imagine you should be able to. Well, mine just took right. So this is something that happened November or December. Um, appraisals have gotten faster and, uh, I think we'll see some reprieve since refinance is going to be down 65% this year where we should have, uh, a lot less issues with appraiser shortages because they don't have to work yeah. on as many refis now. Well, man, around Ohio, we, so there, I've often run into times where it will take five days just to find an appraiser who will go out to that area. Wow. It's not even like it's Ohio's not that rural. Like it's not, it's not that anytime I see them, like you're not willing to drive. Tw it's 25 minutes. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like, you're not, you can't find somebody who's going to drive out 25 minutes. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. So like, even that is, is always frustrating to add on to it because then everyone looks at us like, did you even order the appraisal? Like, yeah, we ordered it. Just can't find an appraiser who's willing to go out. Um, yeah. or not for like some crazy amount of money. Um, uh, 
Me and my wife purchased a home in April. The mortgage is in her name. My name is on the deed. Will I be eligible to get a mortgage of my own with 5% down or will I be required to put the 20 to 25%? Yeah, you absolutely can get a, uh, a mortgage with 5% down as long as it's going to be a primary residence that you're going to choose to live in. Um, 20 percent is 20 to 25% is not a requirement um, unless you're looking at something like an investment property, which the minimum is 15% down on a single unit. Um, some lenders do have overlays to bring it up to 20%, uh, but as long as it's a primary residence, 5% down um, should not be an issue for you. Right. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people too, it's like, oh, that's hers. This is mine. You're married. Um, you guys are both on the deed. Underwriters, like, you know, especially a community property state like California are going to look at it. Like, don't go try to buy something and be like, oh no, this is my primary and that's her primary. Like you guys are either moving to a new school district because you're trying to put your kiddos in that school or you need a four bedroom versus three. Um, but uh, yeah, like Kyle said, you can do it and you put 5% down, but it's a new primary um, for, for both you guys. You don't want to yeah. try anything tricky. You'll end up in. Uh... My brother said he had two same day appraisals in 2021. That's insane. Yeah, he must. He must one was, know some people. One was expedited. Hmm. That's, That's pretty wild. good. Yeah, were I was they pretty actually stoked. same day appraisals or were they appraisal waivers? <laughs> yeah, he's like same day. They just waived it. I didn't have to do it. I'm curious on that. I mean, um, on, on January 3rd, one of them I know. We, we got like into contract on the Friday before. And so like we couldn't get title fees because title companies were closed on, on uh, New Year's Eve. I'm like, dang, we're gonna have to, we're gonna wait till three day three to even start this. So I was worried about it, like get fees, disclose, order appraisal, ordered it Monday, appraisal done Tuesday, back Wednesday. I was like, all right, 2022 is starting off right. Getting back appraisals in two days. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, better this is than, not a promise for any future clients of mine. It doesn't happen yeah, like that all the time. It's better than the thousand dollar appraisal that's you're still gonna take two weeks and everyone's upset. Oh, I said same day appraisal. Hmm. That's wild. Yeah, he knows um, he's got pull. Yeah, I'll say what who do you who are you paying? <laughs> um let's see, let's you wanna run through another quick rapid fire here? Yeah. We should we should try to do like answer it in ten uh words or less 10 words or oh shoot yeah <laughs> is it smart refinancing with interest rate would be higher it depends comma usually everything not. is just going to be answer in three <laughs> words or less it depends. <laughs> hey we got all the questions answered right yeah uh, just fire right through them oh shoot how do i answer this in 10 questions or 10 10 <laughs> words or less if consolidating debt, it maybe. might make sense. Depending on rate. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to count the words, Kyle. You can just guesstimate. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's one of the only instances that I can think of, unless you're doing like a pulling cash out that you're going to be using for something else, um, which in that instance, that's what you're going to be doing for consolidating debt. Um, It'll depend too, you know, 275 to 375 is gnarly. It's not going to make sense a lot, you know, but if you, if you got a right. 3.5, you're going to 3.625 and you're paying off 40 grand in debt. Yeah. I guess the main question would be like, why, what, what is the goal with refinancing? Why do you want to refinance? Tommy said three we word answers. We failed that response. one. We didn't do it in 10, 10 words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joey, does the occupancy rules for second homes only apply for the first year, similar to the primary occupancy rules? 
or does applicant have to promise that he will occupy the home as a second home in perpetuity? With second homes, I don't think they're super, um, I don't know if there's any verbiage in the closing packet, but, but I think it's just yeah. like, you know, a certain number of, it's expected that a certain number of weeks per year you're going to spend in this house. Um, that's a good question. It's good to see my buddy, Joey, Jur SC. I had to ask him a few times how to pronounce it. Pretty sure that's how you get it. But, so uh, here, here is, uh, the guideline for Fannie and Freddie. Uh, must be occupied by the borrower for some portion of the year, one unit only. Um, it doesn't say that you have, there's no minimum of, you know, if you're going to choose to end up renting it out. Um, it's one of those things that I personally would say one year to be safe. Just so you don't run into any issues. No one can then come back and say, uh, why are you using this as an investment property when you said it was a second home? Um, I think Fannie and Freddie saw that everybody's buying second homes to use as Airbnb. That's why they got more expensive. So probably you guys all ruined I... it for everybody buying all these Airbnbs. <laughs> well, you know what a lot of people are doing too is they're doing uh, the like. Do you do you Airbnb much? Um, as far as like as as a as a person who stays in Airbnbs, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if we ever have. Oh, okay. It's yeah. it's great. I've I've enjoyed it. Um, but what I've found a lot of people do is they will get rentals, like they'll go rent a place and then they'll sublease it out through Airbnb, which is probably not allowed for most rental contracts, Right. but it's amazing the amount of people are doing that. I'm like, man, you have to be, it's like brilliant way if it's allowed uh, to make money. Like you didn't have to put any money up on this. You're just having the monthly cost of it. Yeah. Um, Well, even more brilliant than that is I've heard of people going to like, say you're uh, you know, multimillionaire and you have a house in California, New York, somebody comes to you and says, Hey, your California house is vacant 10 months out of the year. You're, you're liable to have people break in, steal your furniture, you know, whatever. I want to make sure I want to manage your house for those 10 months a year. I'm going to do short-term rentals out of there. I'm going to pay you $5,000 a month. Um, no one's going to wreck your house because we're going to be in there every week cleaning. We're going to have professional cleaning services. We're going to do that. And like, so that's $50,000 a year that you're telling them you're going to give them. You're going to make sure the house isn't broken into like all these positives right. for the owner. And then the person who does the Airbnb, they pay 5,000, but this, this fancy house, they can generate 20,000 a month in Airbnb, like whatever you want to call it, arbitrage yeah. or whatever. Um, that's kind of a genius idea. And I know people that are like, yeah, do that and do that with 10 houses and make hundred grand a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane what people are doing with the Airbnbs, but now that the second home problem or the second home fee increase is going to be there. It's going to be, it'll be interesting to see what that, how that changes. Yeah. Um, is it better to go to a credit repair company like Credit Karma or straight to a lender to get steps on how to get your credit up for a house? Um, does Credit Karma do credit repair? I don't know. I haven't heard of that. I know there's a bunch of credit repair companies out there. You plug mycreditguy.com, right? Yeah, mycreditguy.com is fantastic. You know, the problem is I, yeah. in lives, I used to say, my, yeah, my credit guy is great. And everyone would be like, who's who's your credit who's guy? Who's your credit guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, Sam no, no, Parker. No. no, the name of the company is my credit guy, and they're wonderful. Um, yeah, and I think, too, like different credit repair companies, you know, good, bad, ugly, mycreditguy.com, Sam Parker and his team, they're specifically trying to help people get into homes, right? So they know what it takes right. 
to get a FHA loan, to get a conventional loan, and they'll help you, you know, on your credit repair journey with that being the goal. So, yeah. Chris said, I rent out my RV and haven't had to make a payment on it in two years. I guess I didn't consider that you could just rent out your RV too. Yeah. People are doing all kinds of cool stuff. Hmm. I'm going to go buy a bunch of like 50 RVs. And <laughs> <run out. laughs> well, I mean, people are doing that with cars. You can do it with all kinds of things. RV king. Um, yeah. And Greg said, agree. It's all about intent, but I would say one year at minimum. Yeah. I think is is good to be there on the safe bet. Um, so cool. So for, for those of you who don't know, uh, cause I, we probably have some people who have joined in here and I had to take, uh, your name tag off because it would like get in the way of the questions. Um, yeah. but I want to plug your YouTube channel really quickly. Thanks, uh, Matt, sir. Matt, the mortgage guy. Um, we got to move some stuff out of my screen here. Um, yeah, speaking of second home loan increases, look at that video right there. Look at it. There it is. And you can see I've, <laughs> I've gone through, I, I try to watch as many as I can and uh, I've oh, watched nice. most of I didn't watch that one. It was, oh, that was a live stream. Um, yeah. Go watch that yeah. hour and a half, Kyle. Get on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, super helpful stuff. Obviously, I watch these videos because they're helpful for me to see as well. Like, what are your perspectives on things? Um, how do you see changes? What are, what's the insight that you have? Uh, and so go subscribe to Matt. Fantastic channel. Um, and you cover all the details of mortgages that are fantastic that other people don't. I think a lot of people kind of just go high level and move on. But if you stick around on his channel for a while, I think you're gonna learn a lot about how Matt views how to actually strategize with mortgages to help you get approved easier, save more money and get a lower interest rate. Um, and so fantastic channel for you to look into. Um, and for everyone who's here, thank you so much uh, for being here. We're gonna wrap this up. And Matt, that was thank fun, you man. Thanks for, for inviting time me on. It's, and it's always. Um, this isn't the first one, is it? No, 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 we've You've, done okay. a few, few lives. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, but it's been the a, first one with ECAM, obviously, because of the yeah. technical difficulties. <laughs> now, time, now, now I got it. Yeah, next time we'll, we should probably like we'll we'll do like a mic check first, and then we'll. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, my, you can get the mic check, fault. put me on, and then set me down in the background, and then uh, bring me back in. You no. Know. Oh, that was my fault for doing that, but yeah, thank you everyone for joining. Go ahead and subscribe to uh, Matt's channel. It should also be linked in the title of this video, um, but have a wonderful night and we look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks guys.